0: Fading Kingdoms, Part 1, The Divided, written and narrated by Daniel Myers. Chapter 1, The Fractured Four. A vibrant and enchanting world containing four kingdoms is withering away. Once thriving together, they become distant and isolated. Divided by greed and ignorance, the four kingdoms constantly blame each other over their misfortunes. Unbeknownst to one another, each kingdom has selected one of their best and brightest to leave their lands and investigate this mystery. Rumors swirl of a magical garden hidden away in a land afar. Some believe it is the provider of all their resources. The elderly tell stories about the great decay of this mythological garden. If this rumored decay happens, it could rid all the kingdoms of their resources forever. The fate of all the lands are now in the hands of our four brave yet sheltered explorers. Unknowingly, their only chance at unraveling this great mystery might be each other. They better hurry. The kingdom's leaders grow restless and the garden's light may be fading. Now let's visit each of these four kingdoms and their selected few. Our first stop, the Silver City, is the land of the intellects, a population that is known for their intelligence, slender appearance, confidence and science. But this comes at a cost, as other kingdoms find them to be arrogant. But one citizen always marched to his own beat. Durand, an intellect widely respected by some and loathed by others, is walking down the street with his best friend, Gurwa. This must be important.
1: The Argor never calls us in for a meeting of the minds, especially not on a day of rest. He must be desperate.
2: I doubt it. I'm just surprised they were able to be dragged from their pretentious affairs. Dare I say they care?
1: <laughs> Nonsense. Also, Duran, if you bring up anyone else besides us Intellects, I'm afraid you're going to regret it.
0: You know how they are. I'm not worried. The two enter a large hall where this meeting will take place. Five Intellects sit in a circle. Duran and Goroa complete the circle once they are seated.
3: Nice of you to arrive... late.
2: My Highness, our apologies, we were- So let's
0: begin.
3: It seems that this recent famish is starting to affect the Outer Lands. Shame, really. I suppose we will take action. Suppose? Durand! I'm sorry, Durand. Is there an issue with my vernacular?
2: No, but if you recall, I suggested this moons ago and it fell on
3: deaf ears. Right. You did. You also suggested we lend a quarter of our meat and barley to those wretched heathens in the prairie. Did you not?
2: I did recommend we help the Pride. Whom aren't as wretched as some of those who walk this city.
4: Out of order. Ship him off. Out of sight. He is no intellect.
3: Durand, you were selected to this council solely because of your bloodline. We tolerate you. Do not think because you're different... That gives you the right to lash out here. Now, if I may, our hands have been forced, and I have decided to dispatch one of our own to investigate these troubling findings. Be it that this is a dangerous task, I wouldn't dare recommend any of you or your kin be burdened. I do, however, have the perfect candidate. Isn't that right, Durand? Since you wouldn't give us a minute to discuss before your intolerable suggestions, I've made my decision equally as swift.
0: Done. Duran's quick acceptance was not expected by the Council and has left them speechless.
2: What? Not what you had intended? I'm aware this is serious, but I'm also aware that our lands have the resources and science that could help others. So I accept your request with
3: grace. Good day.
1: Duran, wait! I don't think you're aware of the danger!
3: I am. You leave on the second dawn. I've already made the arrangements. Good luck, Durand. May your stubbornness
0: be an ally beyond our gates. As Durand prepares for his departure, we now head over to a kingdom not too far away. They are a hard-working clan who lives off the lands and are known as the Prairie Pride. The Pride at one point in time were the overseers of all the architecture in the known world. Their commitment to their beliefs was the ultimate undoing of trust between kingdoms. Stubborn folk they are, equally as close-minded as the intellects, but over a different belief system. A young member of the Pride, named Bello, rushes through the dead stalks of a once vibrant cornfield. He leaps and tumbles with speed and strength. The pride are well known for their physicality.
5: Underground! Shutting the hatch!
6: B welcome home, my boy. The stew is ready, and Papa is hungry.
5: Yes. Because I had to work double
7: while my son was off studying some rocks. Not just any rocks. They used to be on the riverbed. The washer has... We know.
5: The water is vanishing. We don't need to hear it every other supper. Well, why am I the only one concerned? You're not. It's the intellect's fault. You know this. It's their love for science and greed which has sucked the life from these lands. Right, B?
7: Right. Pop. The
5: families are gathering in the morning to discuss. Now Eat. And no stargazing tonight. The elder sense a shower.
0: Fathorn is referencing a stone shower where millions of small pebbles rain down in their region. The reason is unknown to this day, and has forced the pride to live underground in a very complicated tunnel system.
6: We will be just fine. I have faith.
0: The next morning, Bello and his father make way to the valley, the center of the prairie.
5: Amen. Ah, good morrow. I see we all avoided the dreaded rock to the head. Darn intellectuals, I say. Fats! All right, lads. It's time we stop ignoring the
8: truths. Our way of life is in danger. Doesn't help to be stuck in between two brutal kingdoms.
4: High-polluting nitwits. Dirty
9: wizards. Wet fish.
8: Now, now, we have to worry about ourselves. It's our lands, our way, fall in or leave. We will make this land the most desirable. We have to consider
5: breaking code. We must send a scout. We've done all we can here to sort out this mess. We've grown too fat to navigate properly outside the prairies. None of us could climb the high hill, swim across the Sea of Secrets, defend ourselves against trolls or skybirds.
10: Bah! speak for yourself.
5: Ha!
9: You had an entire pigwin last night. It was just a calf.
8: Fats is right. We lack endurance. All of
7: us. Except one. No! father, what is it?
0: I saw him sprint through our acre in seconds. He lifted our barley sacks like they were sunflowers.
8: Fats, my closest friend. Do you think I'd ask this of your family if we had a choice?
5: Wait. They want me to go? Leave the prairie? No, B. You're not going anywhere.
0: He must go! My family hasn't had rice in weeks! Our water is nearly drained!
5: I can do it, Father. Let me prove it. This isn't a corn grazing task, boy. You've no idea what's out there. Neither do you. You're not the
8: only one who's sacrificed. If the boy agrees to go, he goes.
7: I'll go. I will discover what the cause of this drought is and bring back word and wisdom. Father, do not worry about me. I'm your son, and I couldn't have had a better teacher.
8: Tomorrow you're right. We break bread and drink ale tonight. Bello,
0: Bello, 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 Bello. Bello and his father leave the meeting and make their way home. He's never seen his father so defeated. They arrive home and are greeted by Hella, his mother. Who is above ground picking from a sparse herb tree.
5: Hella, your boy leaves tomorrow.
6: Searching for more rocks?
5: He leaves the prairie.
6: What? That can't be. He's just a boy.
5: I'm a man, mother.
6: Silence!
5: There is no other choice. I did not endorse this decision, but it's for the pride. He must serve.
6: If he must go, I will prepare the last of our harvest tonight. I know the pride demands he drink ale, but I demand he stays in with his mother.
0: I will not argue. The family spends the remainder of the evening inside eating supper and reminiscing. As the sun begins to set, there are grumblings throughout the lands. This earthquake felt no more than in the mysterious forests known as Enchanter, commonly referred to as Enchanter's Forest. This tribe is the most reclusive of the four kingdoms. Also, they are the most feared as they delve in magic. When the four were united, the enchanters would send medicine and herbs to the other three. They ask for nothing in return except for privacy. Those in the Silver City were intimidated by the level of intellect the enchanters may have possessed, and the pride was suspecting of their generosity. No one really knows what an enchanter looks like, only that there are rumors of their non-human appearance. But while they remain in hiding, there is no escaping the ill effects of current days, even for the enchanters. The final kingdom is a seafaring bunch known as the Nautics. They wander the known seas and live strictly off of fish and other types of game. The only reason they had to deal with those on land is for metals and lumber. They were once a faction of the intellects who broke away after decades of political infighting. They are calm by nature with similar features of those from the Silver City. They are ruled by a former member of the High Intellects named Jacques. Whereas the Intellects and the Pride have tens of thousands of citizens, there are only a few hundred of Nautics. Life is hard on the seas.
6: Bay, he's starboard, ain't you watching him?
0: Coral, the oldest daughter of her tribe, is navigating her boat through six foot swells with her brother Bay.
11: Hold steady, almost there. Almost there! Tie it down or we'll lose him! I'm trying! Just then,
0: a bigger creature leaps from the ocean and slams down next to the vessel.
6: You said it's Mother Left for the Migrations!
11: I did, didn't I? We'll just have to lose her!
6: Not dragging her we won't! You wanna eat this week?
11: Coral is skillfully weaving
0: the boat over large swells and away from this aggressive foe. This catch is vital, as the supplies from land have been sparse and their abilities to fish have diminished.
11: Bay, tie yourself down! What? Why? You're not gonna try?
0: Before Bay could finish, Coral slams down on a lever that unhooks their mainsail. This catapults the boat 20 feet into the air. The mother leaps from the seas with one last attempt to free her calf. The boat remains airborne for what feels like an eternity for the two. The mother falls back down to the ocean and the ship lands on her, knocking her unconscious. They are free. Bay and Coral have been silent ever since they made their big catch. Bay breaks the silence as they
11: are docking. We eat this week, but that was reckless.
6: What other choice did we have? Mom is sick, and Dad, well... We
11: could have gone back out tomorrow.
10: No sailing tomorrow! Orders of Jacques!
0: <laughs> Lucky. The two unhook their catch and make their way home. They are stopped just a few paces from their front
10: door by Jacques. Nice catch, you two. Thanks. Thanks. We had a little trouble, but we managed. Your father will be proud. Listen, I need a favor from your family. You've served us well since we split well before you were born. Your father was a great friend of mine, and essential in helping us create our own kingdom.
0: Koro thinks to herself,
10: Some kingdom? We've received word that the pride and intellects are sending a scout out to investigate the great mysteries behind this recession. I feel we must do our part. I'm asking one of you two to volunteer. My order about tomorrow being too dangerous to sail is just to give one of you all the space you need to safely sail to the mainland. Just one? Why not both? Well, the reality is this will be a tough journey. Easier to be alone. Well, so be it. I will go. and elder Nautic stumbles into bay.
0: The garden, you see. It's the
10: garden. Huh? He speaks of the legend of the Great Garden. A small batch of land, hidden away that is more than just vegetation. It's life. Some believe, some don't. I've seen it. Bug off, old man. I believe. Me too. You two decide which one of you goes. I have confidence in both, and I know you'll represent the best of us.
6: Thanks, sir.
11: Captain, the two siblings stand in silence for a moment. This isn't even a question. I'm going.
6: I appreciate you looking out for my best interests, but I'm more suited for life on the land.
11: <laughs> How so?
6: I'm a girl. You boys are too brash and eager to seek out confrontation. Also, we need you to stay for mom. You will be the man of the tribe sooner than later.
11: But I can't let you go alone. If something happened... I won't be alone. Coral
0: pulls out a necklace from her shirt. It is a seashell with a carving of her tribe's insignia.
6: With this, I'm surrounded by the tribe. Its wisdom will guide me through whatever peril I encounter. Let's be honest. Life on land is for the weak.
11: So be it. Fish fry tonight.
0: Our chosen three spend one final evening in comfort and solitude before departing on this life-changing adventure. While they are all considered to be equipped to handle such a task, there is much out on the lands that they have been sheltered from. Since the dividing of the four kingdoms, facts of the outside lands have been carefully monitored by the powers that be. Back in the city, Gurua knocks on Duran's door. A
1: perfect morning to not do something foolish, like setting off on a suicide mission.
2: I should drag you along. Your humor would be the perfect deterrent from any danger.
1: Have you mapped out your journey?
2: Aye. I, I head north, obviously. Then when I hit the first sign of the prairies, I have a decision inform the pride of my mission, or simply avoid all contact, and then seek passage over the Magnificent.
1: Durand, my suggestion of this mission being suicide was set in chest, but if you attempt to navigate the Magnificent Mountains, not only are you most certainly going to peril, if you succeed, you'll be the first one to do so.
2: Yes, I'm aware. Those mountains have always kept our lands imprisoned, but if there was a resolution within the confines of a map, would I even be leaving? No, I must attempt to go somewhere where there are no maps.
0: Here. Gurwa hands Durand a sack filled with items.
1: When my family heard you had been chosen, we collected some items.
0: Durand opens the sack.
1: Gurwa, this is full of- I know. Save it for when you have no other choice. But until then, don't get in any trouble and keep an open mind. If this mythical garden we've heard from our drunk elders is real, it could be the answer to all of this.
2: Thanks, brother.
0: Be well. Durand is now heading down the long cobblestone main avenue of the Silver City. Intellects watch from their windows and markets. Some cheers of support and murmuring of apprehension fill the air. As he approaches the main gate, he is greeted by the high intellects and a few dozen soldiers. Garon rises to address those who've gathered.
3: You will find everything you need has been left at the main outpost. Now, listen, Durand. Don't think we won't be able to sustain for another decade with what we have. So, if you fail, it will be to the demise of everyone else. We are sending you out of our own good graces to help all the lands return to normal. We aren't monsters, you see. We are just the ones who know. Always
12: ahead, always right.
0: Duran doesn't make eye contact with the high intellect. He nods confidently to a few families waiting by the great gates and exits. Bello is sprinting through the nearby tall grass with his two pet gorogs. Dog-like creatures whose loyalty is unmatched by any animals in the known lands.
5: B,
7: save some energy, will you? We need you to at least make it out of the prairies. This isn't goodbye, my boys. I promise, I'll bring back an enchanter's daffodil.
0: Bello kneels down and hugs his beloved pets.
7: Go see your mother, then we meet
0: on the path. They are waiting. Bello climbs down into his family's quarters and finds his mother sitting by a small fire in the corner.
6: I now protect you with the light of our…
7: I don't have time for this.
6: You will sit and allow your mother to bless you with the protection from the gods.
7: Of course. Sorry, mom.
6: I now protect you with the light of good health. The strength of a thousand men and the knowledge of our great lords. You will be safe from the darkness and will return to us wiser and unscathed. Now remember, you're a pride. Don't you ever forget it.
0: Yes, Mother. Bello and his father make way down to the center of the pride. Every tribe's elder blesses Bello with food, prayer, and medicines. Padwin greets them and wraps his arm around Bello. Bello, my boy. We have sent word to the Outer Tribes of your trip. They
8: will give you whatever you need. Please keep moving, and if you come across any rumor birds, please send us updates.
0: A rumor bird is a sarcastic creature that were essential for the trade and information amongst the four kingdoms. They are able to memorize up to a few sentences, and are eager to serve for food of any kind. If you are able to deal with their jokes and sarcasm.
5: Battle, you are more than capable of reaching the unknown region safely. I've all the confidence in you to be smart and avoid any tricksters, enchanters, witches, or worst of all intellects. Anyone not pride are up to no good. Keep your head down and your senses up. Now go, my son."
0: Bello hugs his father, and the sound of all the pride elders humming a somber hymn resonates in the air. Mm. with a large bag in hand rushes up to his sister
11: I've stocked the boat with everything you'll need you'll have enough food for a fortnight uh my bow about 20 arrows oil for fire medicine blankets uh what else I'm forgetting something Bay
6: relax and thank you I'll be just fine
11: I know I I know I just worry because I'm a girl no well maybe I should be going
6: like I said you are the leader of our tribe now Plus, it's time the masses see how the will of us women is equal to a thousand soldiers, if not greater.
11: Right. You will dock in the city, correct?
6: No. I've decided it's best to head around the bend and dock somewhere on the Prines territory. But
11: there's no safe docking zones I'm aware of outside of the city. What
6: if- I'll be fine. Plus, docking in the city would just offer more headaches, which I don't need.
11: You're probably right. Just keep an eye out for the short snatchers. We haven't seen any for a long time. But that's because the city hunts them by their docking ports. Who knows where they've ended up. (laughs) Now give me a hug. Let's head to the main market. They are waiting to grant you good fortune as you head off.
6: No. I'm leaving now. You're the only one I need to say goodbye to. Everyone else can party without me. You know Father will be.
11: Goodbye, sister. Don't get wrapped up in all the politics on the mainland. Rise above it.
6: I will.
0: The boat heads off under a red morning sky of the great sea of secrets. Coral's now feeling the weight of what lies ahead of her as home drifts further away into the horizon. Chapter 2 A Solo Struggle. Durand, chosen by the High Intellects, has been hiking through the Silver City's outer lands on his way to the furthest outpost. The outer lands have long been inhabited by a diverse group of drifters, all with the dream of being granted full citizenship. The truth is that hope is a false promise. They work hard to help provide the city with crops and various forms of craftsmanship and labor. Any project deemed too dangerous is passed down to these outlanders. Durand is only a few hundred yards from the outpost when he hears a voice cry out in the distance. You,
4: you there, uh, you aren't covered in filth.
0: Who are you? Durand keeps moving to avoid confrontation.
4: Silver snake!
0: Durand makes it to the outpost where high intellect Gauron promised supplies. Needless to say, there are none. (sighs) Coward. There is an envelope on the table with the letter D. He opens it.
2: Durand, savior of our city, seer of truths. I write to tell you there is a greater danger than this drought. Apologies for the lack of supplies, there wasn't much I can do. You will discover this in time, for which I'm afraid we don't have much of, so move fast, stay alert. There are some who have much to gain by the suffering of others. Please hurry back, as I'm afraid the city's greatest threat is already within its
0: walls. Signed, an ally. Duran takes a moment, folds the letter up, and tucks it into his travel bag. Even though he wasn't given support by the High Guard, He can't help but feel a sense of optimism. He isn't alone. Bello, the young pride member, is hacking his way through thick and rotten vegetation. He has now made his way to the outskirts of the prairie. He grunts as he slashes through with speed and efficiency. He's been on the move for over a day, hunting and resting only when necessary. Gotcha. The obstacles begin to lighten. Eventually he's confronted by a massive rock wall. He scans his the surroundings, then looks up and sees nothing but this great wall, which disappears high up into the clouds. The Magnificent. He scurries along the wall to an opening and sees a small valley with trees and a flowing stream. He's found his camp for the evening. Man, my father is never
7: going to believe this. In his honour, I'll whip up some ragweed stew.
0: Bellows cooking a stew over a fire. Then... He hears mysterious noises from afar. He stops what he's doing, grabs his hatchet, and yells out.
7: Who goes there? I'm a member of the Great Prairie Pride, and will defend myself accordingly.
0: Silence for a moment. Then some rustling within the trees just a few yards away. Now snickering can be heard from within the bushes. Come forth. Just then a Gowag leaps from the bushes and runs in circles around him.
7: Oh. You scared me there, little fellow. You look just like
0: my buddy back home. You hungry? The gorwag sits and just stares at him. Something is peculiar about this one. Hmm. I suppose not. Bello, ignoring the gorwag, turns back to tend his stew. A cold breeze blows on the back of his neck. He spins around and sees a tall cloaked figure standing where the gorwag was just seconds ago. Holy, who the heck are you? This ominous figure doesn't respond. Where is the Gorwag? What did you do to it?
7: I am the Gorwag. What? S- stop messing about! Believe what, what? you want,
4: boy. I've achieved it too far from home.
0: What's it to you? Oh, nothing. Just, Just curious. This figure, now floating, begins to slowly move around Bellow. I must make it over the mountains.
7: My reasons are my own.
4: No need for tangents, young man. Perhaps I may assist you.
7: How so? I'm not to be fraternizing with suspecting folk like yourself. No offense.
4: None taken. If you wish to pass over the Magnificent, it'll take more
0: than just strength. What could you offer? Its movements are hypnotic. He circles around Bello, speaking softly and inducing a trance-like state. I can offer much depending on what you can offer in
4: return. If you need wings to fly over the mountain, you shall have wings. If you need food to help you must grow, a feast like no other
0: shall appear. If you need sleep to help you rest your mind. A bed made of the finest fur shall appear. bello begins to doze, and is suddenly snapped out of it by the sound of his stew boiling over. Back off, witch. This witch pulls back its cloak and reveals a scarred face. Uh,
4: no need for name calling. I mean no
7: harm. I, I don't believe you. I was warned about your kind. You're a wandering witch, aren't you? You lure in your prey with promises of riches Then steal years after their life For immortality
4: And who told you this? My people <laughs> The same people who pray to so-called gods As their crops die and stones rain down upon them
7: Blasphemy! Only which would spew such nonsense? <laughs> then tell me
4: Where are those all powerful beings when we need them? Hmm?
7: I, I don't need to explain
0: myself it, to you. Bello begins to pack up his belongings, keeping a keen eye on the witch. Attempting to climb the
4: magnificent <sighs> at night. <gasps> Brave and stupid. Let me help you, boy. No, no need for this tension. Go away! I'll leave you with a lesson. A sheltered little birdie doesn't know how to fly because it's never had to. Until
0: it's too late. (laughs) The witch vanishes into the bushes, then springs back out with fire in its eyes and a ghoulish look. Bello falls back, grabs a piece of wood from the fire barehanded, and launches it at the witch. The witch catches fire and makes a high pitched shriek as it floats back into the bushes.
7: And I got three
0: more if you show your face again. Bello stares down the bushes for minutes. Silence. The witch is gone. Bello now comes to the realization that hiking the Magnificent might not be possible. He decides to stick to the base of the mountains and head east, where eventually he will come to. Enchanter's Forest, a land his people rarely spoke of within the prairie, but luckily for Bello, his mother would tell him stories about the Enchanters. Bello thinks to himself what he would have done now if his mother didn't secretly tell him those stories of the outside lands. The seas are rough and the winds are strong. Only the most skilled of sailors could navigate these swells. Cole, our nautic heroine, does so with finesse. She has been sailing through the night seeking the perfect spot to self-dock she avoided the silver city's main port to bypass any unwanted encounters the sounds of goals overhead means that she is close to shore just then in that moment her mind lingers on the word shore she knows what once dwelled along the shorelines the stories she heard from the elders the disappearances people thought it was the will of the gods or some random sorcerers turns out It was just them, shore snatchers, feared by all not because of their size and teeth, but speed and intelligence. The nickname Snatcher was given to them because of their abilities to sweep a grown man beneath the surface within seconds, never to be seen again. Coral's laser-focused. She can't afford not to be. As she drifts along the current, not far from shore, she begins to sing a hymn taught to her by her mother. Her mother's one rule before she set sail alone for the first time was to recite it.
6: Sails down, eyes open. Your only chance is to keep hoping that around the bend you don't meet your end. Sails down, eyes open.
0: The shoreline is close. Coral sees a figure standing on a dock not too far away. This figure is growing bigger as she approaches. It's a man. Toss me a line. With the looming threat, she is unable to take the time to assess the situation. She tosses the man a line.
6: Catch! Tie it down properly!
0: Not my first knot, my lady. She hops out of the boat to help tie it down.
6: Thanks. What are you doing all the way out here?
0: Working, my lady. I'm an outlander.
6: Outlander? You're a bit far from home, no?
0: I but it's a decent gig. What is? Tending the dock. Still a bit apprehensive, Coral scans her surroundings.
6: They need someone to man this?
0: Well, since this
8: be pride's land and all the intellects like to keep an eye on things, imports and exports and such, they promised me and my family full citizenship after a year of service. Not a bad deal if you ask me, right?
6: Right. Well, where do you settle in the eve?
0: I have a small camp not far from Before the outlander could finish his sentence, a purple tentacle explodes from the water. Wrapping around the man's leg, he screams out in pain.
11: No! Get it off! Get it off!
0: Coral leaps back into her boat to look for her bow.
8: Help do something!
0: Helpless, the man is being whipped around the dock as if he was a piece of beef being prepped by a butcher.
6: Hold steady! I'm going to take a shot!
8: Shoot, I want to see my boys again! I want to see
0: The man is ripped underwater momentarily then bursts back above the surface. Ah! Coral pulls her bow back and fires. It whizzes past the beast's tentacles. Just then, two more explode from the water, wrapping themselves around the man's body. Ah! Coral fires two more arrows, one sticking the beast. But by then, it's too late. The tentacles and the man are gone.
6: Hello? Sir? Sir?
0: The water becomes still, just the sound of soft waves crashing along the shore. The boat is rocking back and forth, rhythmically. I'm sorry. Coral snaps out of it and begins to pack her belongings as quickly as possible. They will be back. She tosses her bags over her shoulders and makes her way inland. She hears the crumbling of her boat. It now belongs to the shore snatchers.
6: Sails down, eyes open. Your only chance is to keep hoping that around the bend you don't meet your end. Sails down, eyes open.
0: The silver city's streets are buzzing with markets and live music. Seemingly not a care in the world for those within these walls. Except for one intellect. Gerwa hurries along through the masses. He arrives at a municipal building for the high guard. Set out with menial tasks, Gerwa does his best not to ruffle any feathers. He does worry about his best friend. He is dealing with the building's clerk when he overhears a familiar voice. Garon. Grow attends to his business, then follows the sound of this voice down a long corridor. He hears a few intellects in deep discussion. Get on. We do have to take into account the severity of this drought. Even we will be affected in time. Why,
3: I thought we were operating with the same level of mutual respect. Apparently not. This situation hasn't been overlooked. I have made preparations. ...for the sustainability of the Silver City for over a year now. Without the blessing of this council? My measures are... ...well, a bit unorthodox. They would never have been approved by this council, at least on record. I decided to do what is necessary for the sake of our city. You all will be able to sleep at night, clean conscious, while I will bear this burden. What have you done, Garan? When your three wives and spoiled kiddies continue to live like royalty, will you actually care? Didn't think so.
0: What about Durand? He's already at odds with the council and has the support of many. What if he's able to-
3: Don't worry about Durand. He too has been taken care of.
0: Once hearing this reveal, Gurwa drops his books. His cover is blown. Within seconds, High God's security grabs him and brings him inside of the room.
3: Gurwa! Little far down the hallway for an accounting errand, I must say. M- my apologies, High God. I thought I heard my name called as all. I'm sure. Care to share what you've heard? Nothing, sir. Sincerely.
4: Get on. He must be vetted.
3: Perhaps. But I think I have a better use
0: for him. Gerwa is dragged away by security.
4: Where are you taking me?
0: Fathorn and Padwin are directing fellow pride workers around a construction site. When they hear a voice cry out on the hill, and turn to see a man sprinting towards them.
3: Padwin! Fathorn, They're gone! Hundreds! Gone!
5: Relax now, son. What do you mean?
3: Our reserve sacks! Wheats! Barley! Droid meats! All gone!
5: Impossible! They're hidden! No one outside of the pride even knows about them! We have to confirm. I'll grab two steeds. Meet me at the top of the hill.
0: Fathorn sprints to grab two horses and they gallop an hour north of the Pride's main housing quarters. They arrive where the reserves have been hidden and find nothing but empty holes as far as the eyes can see. How can this be?
5: It must have taken errors and a hundred men to dig it all up. Who was on watch this week? Bardwig? Didn't report anything unusual? Fats, Oh, Fats, what are we going to do? We must inform the Pride. Send word out to the outer huts. Bring Bardwig in for questioning. Intellects. That vile gore on it has to be. Padwin, my heart agrees, but we must be sure. We can't confront the city without proof. Here!
0: Padwin whips his horse and rides off fuming. Fathorn, still in shock, stares blankly out across the plains where the reserves laid just days ago. Just a half day's ride due east, Durand is stealthily navigating his way through the prairie. His time in the Silver Guard, the city's armed forces, has allowed him to move in secret. The day grows long and the sun trades places with the stars. Durand stops to set up camp and notices a bird staring at him from a tree. Bird, did he carry a message? The bird cocks its head back and forth, studying Durand. His hopes of this being a rumor bird vanish into the night. He prepares supper and lays to rest. An hour passes and he's awakened by the sound of a voice in the night.
3: Showers coming, must go!
0: Showers coming, must go! Get up! Durand, still in a daze, brushes this voice he hears off as residuals from a dream. He closes his eyes again, but within moments feels a sting in his head so intense he leaps from his blanket.
2: Ow! What the
0: hell? Just then, one stone turns to two, then three. Then, before he knew it, a hundred stones rain down upon him. He curses himself as he completely disregarded the rumors of stone showers. He only gathers what he can to shield himself from the sky's daggers. He begins to sprint aimlessly through the night seeking shelter. Seconds feel like a decade when he finally sees a figure in the distance waving his arm. Here! Hurry! Durand is sprinting with all of his might towards this man. He stumbles the final few yards and crawls into the hatch opening, yelling out in pain with every stone that slams against his body. Durand and his savior both fall onto the floor, stones with them. Thank you.
12: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't mention it. Another few minutes and you'd be unrecognizable. Would be a shame with that pretty mug you got.
2: They're real. They're real. The showers.
12: I
0: always thought it was a myth. Where are you from, stranger? What's your name? Duran takes a moment, calculating the situation. He is aware of the pride's ill will towards the intellects, but feels in this moment honesty is the wisest choice.
2: My name is Durand Wellington, and I am from the city. Hmm. Right then. You'll see there's an unused
12: hammock in the corner. Can rest there until the shower's over, then be on your way.
2: Sincerely, thank you, good sir. If there's anything I can do to repay your good wills, please, just say the word.
0: Durand senses the pridesman's change in tone. You can join us for supper. The pridesman who is walking away stops. Durand is surprised by this invitation.
2: It would be an honor. Thank you. May I ask
0: your name, Prideman? Bodwig. And I'm from the prairie. Durand follows Bodwig down a maze of hallways. They eventually enter a large dining area where there is just a boy, no older than ten years old, sitting alone at a table. Meet my family.
2: Hello, young master. I am Durand. What a nice home you have.
0: The boy doesn't respond. He's been like this for months. Ever since. Bodwig doesn't finish his sentence, but he doesn't need to. Duran senses his family has suffered. Mmm. Smells fantastic.
12: Because it's an honest beef. Not that drivel you, silver is called delicacy.
2: Right. Listen, I don't want you to presume that- Presume
12: what, Silver? That we're
2: all the same in the city. Because we're not. Meet one intellect, you've met them all,
0: I say. Well, that's quite ignorant, I say. Silence hangs in the air for a moment. Duran bites his tongue and is aware he may have crossed the line being a guest.
2: Apologies. The last hour or so has left me quite shaken. I mean no disrespect.
12: Listen, Duran. You intellects have tried to lecture us for centuries. I've heard the stories. You wave your science and gratuitous dialects around in our faces as if you believe you're better. You're not. When a man dies, The gods don't count how many pigs
2: he's owned or gaze at the shine of his jewelry. I do not look down upon anyone with a different belief system. I do, however, hope they would have the wit to through the confines
0: of tribalism. See? What are you trying to say? Bodwig stares down Duran for a moment. Then he grabs some bread and begins to devour it.
2: Labeling anyone who is different gives your kind comfort. That type of closed-mindedness is a poison, and the intellects are no different. The bread almost drops from Bodwig's mouth. A self-aware intellect!
12: Are you sure a wandering witch hasn't made its way into my home? Because I
0: swear I see what looks like an intellect! I am no witch. I am also no adversary. The men stare down each other for another moment. The boy coughs, startling Durand. Then the boy stands up and walks towards his father. His father pats him on the shoulder and excuses him from the table.
12: (sighs) He misses his sister.
2: I'm sorry does he have a mother what happened to them
12: she died in childbirth his sister vanished over a year ago i have given everything i can offer to trackers and rumor birds to try and find her (sighs) nothing
2: you are a man of faith correct
12: Aye. but sometimes you can't help but feel you've been duped by drunken stories passed down upon generations nothing makes sense We used to have acres of wheat. Now we barely have enough to feed ourselves. I fear for my boy's future. I bet. You claim you're different than the rest, yet you don't look it or speak it. Tell me, Durant, why should I believe you?
2: Do you remember the stories about the Battle of Diamond Bay?
12: Aye, an intellect high council member or general risked his life to save hundreds of pridesmen from shore snatchers and, 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 and black fins. This man was the last intellect our history books speak fondly of.
2: He was my grandfather.
12: Well, isn't that something? Charmed life you must have.
2: Sadly, no. My grandfather was exiled for disobeying orders that day. While every council member is allowed one wish for their service, this wish must be granted. It's the code. Most would ask for a night in a brothel or for a sack of jewels, but he only asked that I, his lone grandson, Get a seat on the High Council. You're on the Council? Yes. They'd rather save a ship full of wine than a hundred lives. Those are the types of people that run my city. But those who simply live there are no different than you or I. Yes. There are good people there.
12: I see. Well, I don't know what to say. I I drink to your grandfather. Cheers. doesn't matter, pride, intellects, the world is
2: rotting. It is, yes, but there are those who want to stop it. I for one did not trek all the way out here for my health. I need to get to the forest. I believe there is a cause for this recession. Can you map out the best route for me, please? I can show you
12: the way, but understand a stone to the head will feel like a pillow compared to
2: dark magic. Thank you, Bardwig, thank you. You've been most helpful. I shall retire for the eve and we'll leave at first light.
0: Where is he? Where do you think? Bay makes his way through the crowded watering hole. He stops and stands over an older and heavy set man with a big bushy grey beard and long hair. This man is sitting alone in the corner. Dad. The man doesn't respond. Dad. His father is jolted awake by the sound.
11: Bay.
12: Bay, my boy. Uh. I was just heading back home to your mother, and I had to stop and see Jacques.
11: Come on,
0: get up. Bay attempts to lift his father from the chair with no luck. His father stumbles over and falls onto the floor.
11: Fine. Stay here and live in a bottle. Just figured you should know your only daughter has left the island. Uh, Huh? What do you mean? They asked one of us to go investigate what's going on, like you're even aware.
12: Why? Why is she gone? You're the man. Why did you send your sister?
0: Bay's father is attempting to rise to his feet. His mood is becoming foul. You coward! Why did you let your sister go? Bay turns and heads for the exit. His father is still yelling towards him from the back of the bar. After a close encounter with the Snatchers, Coral has made her way north by a full day's walk. Sticking close to the shore, but far enough to avoid danger, she can't help but keep the sea in her periphery. Coral has never been inland, far enough to lose sight of the water. As the sun is setting, Coral is distracted by a figure in the distance. After her last encounter left her traumatized, she is weary about another.
12: Hey, you, over here, please!
0: Coral stops to survey the area. With no one else in sight, she decides to sprint over.
8: Quick. Me brother's stuck, we need another to help pull him out. Pull him out of
12: what? Mud pit.
0: A mud pit is similar to quicksand, yet at the bottom of a pit, a docile creature dwells to feed on any unfortunate creatures which happen to make a wrong step. Right over there. Coral sees a man stuck up to his waist in a mud pit.
6: I'll nail down some rope I have that'll keep him from sinking. Then we'll pull him out together.
0: Yup, okay. Coral whips out an arrow and ties a rope around it. She then fires it into the ground. She tosses the other end of the rope to the man.
6: Now grab my hand!
0: She reaches out and grabs his arm.
6: You drifter, now pull us out!
0: The other drifter remains still, just staring at Coral and his stuck brother. Confused, Coral screams out again. Grab it! Just then, the stuck drifter yanks Coral towards him and frantically uses her body to climb out of the mud. Hey! Now Coral is the one stuck.
12: Grab me hand! Grab me hand!
0: The once-stuck drifter is now free. <laughs> My, thanks, young lady. Such a bag. Coral's clinging to the rope tied to her arrow.
6: What are you doing? Please, pull me out. I helped you.
12: Hmm. We could, but you seem to be pretty nifty with our little bow, so... Nope, nope, nope.
4: Ah, Nordic sardines, cans of them. Ooh, what else, what mm-hmm. else? Fish oils, medicines. We can sell those, right? For a pretty penny, yeah, for a pretty pretty penny.
6: Guys, please, take what you want, just pull me out.
0: The two drifters turn from coral and begin to whisper to each other. They turn back. We have decided to return the favor. They pull the arrow from the ground. Oops. <laughs> Please no!
6: Oh, help!
0: The drifters take Coral's supplies and run off.
2: Help!
0: The mud begins to rise. The sun setting, Coral can't tell if the darkness is from the mud or the night. She is overcome by shock and stops fighting the inevitable. She is now nearly fully submerged. She closes her eyes and sees her mother
6: sails down, eyes open. Your only chance is to keep hoping that around the bend, you don't meet your end. Sails down, eyes open.
0: Now fully embracing the darkness, she feels pressure around her arm. She is now rising. Coral's head breaches the top and she gasps for air. She has been saved. (coughs) She regains consciousness and tries to open her eyes. She can only make out what seems to be a person standing in the moonlight.
6: Who... Who are you? I, my dear,
13: am an enchanter.
0: Chapter 3 Crossroads Duran's loyal friend Gerwa opens his eyes. He's still in a daze. He's unaware of his surroundings. His vision is blurred, yet he recognizes a smell in the air. He hears voices whispering all around him. Before he can gather his thoughts, a figure steps towards him and douses him with ice-cold water. Gurwa yells out in pain. The water feels like a thousand icicles piercing his body. His eyes begin to focus on these mysterious figures standing side by side in front of him. Yet, he doesn't recognize anyone of significance.
4: Where where am I?
0: You're a little far from home, boy.
1: Listen, I, I don't know what you want. Tell the other god I didn't hear anything. Please, just let me go. Shh.
0: I quite like his squabbling. Reminds me of our years tending them pride sales. I have money. My family does. Whatever you want. Oh, really? So does he. The guards part to reveal a well-dressed garon. Gurwa knew he smelled something familiar. High intellect, garon, sir. I-, I don't know what you think I heard, but retrieve it. Garon signals to the guards with a wave of his hand. They exit the room and return within seconds carrying a giant cage.
10: A roofhead.
0: Open it. The second the guards open the cage, the bird flies over to Garon's arm. This bird is a beautiful gold color, shining within the candlelit dungeon.
3: You will say these words with confidence and without hesitation.
0: Garon places a note on Gerwa's lap. Gerwa takes a moment to read it.
1: I can't say this. It's not true. Say it now.
0: I will not. Say it! Gerwa, shaking with fear, refuses to speak. Gentlemen...
3: His family's house is at the end of Emerald Alley. It's a modest dwelling, blue shutters, anyone inside is expendable. The guards nod and
0: begin to turn.
3: Fine, I'll say it, I'll say
1: it.
0: Garon's expressionless face cracks a slight grin. Mischief is at play. Durand has been on foot for over a day. His supplies and morale are in need for a boost. His evening with Bardwick has put things into perspective for him. The pride and the intellects aren't much different beyond the surface. This frightens him, as he knows their leaders would be too caught up in politics to take this threat seriously. He's reached the furthest point of the prairie where the rolling hills begin to turn into wet marshlands. Durand is soaked up to his knees but doesn't realize it, as his gaze is fixated on the massive tree lines in the horizon. Enchanter. Incredible. Durand takes a break and rests on a large rock. He guzzles down the last of his water. He places his canteen down and reaches for his sack. A quick breeze whizzes past his head. Startled, he looks around as if a ghost were blowing in his direction. Then, another powerful breeze surges towards him, yet this so-called breeze slams into his canteen and knocks it off the rock. It's an arrow. Duran rolls back behind the rock for safety. He peeks up from behind the rock and sees a man standing a hundred yards back in the direction he came. Considered out a warning. State your name, and purpose some warning
7: you almost took my hand off name now i am durand and my
2: purpose is well my purpose is to survive at this very moment so please put the bow down and let's
0: discuss this tell me durand are you a witch
2: witch w- w- what is it with the witches no i am not a witch
0: Bello swings another arrow from his back and loads his bow
2: o- okay okay i'm not a witch I- i'm an intellect okay not much better i know
0: Bello slowly lowers his bow yep even worse. You can come out now. Durand appears from behind the large rock. Your pride? Certainly.
2: How can you tell? Mm-hmm. Accent. Well, and your lack of subtlety. Accent? There are
7: many accents.
2: Well, sure, but most of you sound... Never mind. What are you doing all the way out here?
7: You tell me your business first, intellect.
2: I'm on an investigation of sorts. The city is concerned that... No, I'm concerned about what's going on. I mean, surely the pride suffered, No.
7: I wouldn't be so sure of that. We're just fine.
2: Listen, young man. I just spent an evening with a pridesman not long ago. No need for mind games
7: with me. Oh yeah? What's their name? Bardwick. Bardwick? How is he? We haven't seen him in ages. Not well. So, what is your business? Seems like we're searching for similar answers.
2: Right. Given the arrows in your quiver, I'm sure you've noticed the lack of big game on your journey.
7: Maybe. Yet do I look like I'm weak?
2: Listen... I'm sure what with all your years of experience you can handle yourself, but what would you say to us maybe banding together? There's simply no telling what we'll face in that forest. I, for one, am pretty nifty in a debate, and your skills with a bow might as well be a chef's blade for us.
0: Bello takes a moment to think. What is in the sack? Duran slowly picks up his sack and tosses it over his shoulder. You'll just have
2: to wait and see.
0: Bello takes another moment, this one much longer than the last. He eventually extends his hand. The name's Bello. Let's get a move on. Having just narrowly escaped the clutches of death, Coral is standing in shock. Her clothes are wet and covered in mud, yet she can't stop staring at this enchanter.
6: I really don't know what to say. Why did you save me? Save? Why allow I to visit your grave? Trying to be brave? <laughs> Not so smart out here, my dear. Do you want something? I'm afraid they took everything I had. Tuck?
0: Tuck! The Enchanter turns and runs up over a hill. Coral, confused, follows.
6: Tuck! Tuck! Come and take a look. They stole, they
13: stole. Now they live in this home.
0: Coral notices the two drifters that had robbed her face down in the mud. They are dead. Fearing the worst, Coral begins to backtrack. Before she can make a run for it, the Enchanter addresses her again.
13: I think
6: these belong to you, is that true?
0: The Enchanter tosses her bag and supplies. Coral is struggling to catch them all at once.
6: Yes? Yes, these are mine.
13: <laughs> Wonderful! Now we won't talk, keep our death for heart. Do not be afraid, my dear. You have nothing to
6: fear. I will take you to my home a land few have roamed. You're taking me to Enchanter? I- I'm sorry. I don't know if I should go.
0: Coral is both excited and nervous about this invitation. She has heard a hundred stories about Enchanter, some positive and some not. Either way, she realizes that her choices are slim.
13: Hmm. Be weary of what you've heard. Few visits have occurred. Many answers you will find. Hmm. Food for the mind. Don't beg your pardon, as
6: you might find... a garden. Garden? You know where it is? Your people believe?
0: The Enchanter smiles and winks. Then it turns to jog north along the shoreline.
6: Wait! I'm coming!
0: Bodwig is being escorted down a long dark hallway within the tunnel systems of the prairie. Accompanied by two pridesmen, Bodwig and company stop in front of a room where Padwin and Fathorn occupy.
5: Thanks for coming, Bardwig. Please, come in and take a seat. Did I have a choice? Sit down. Relax, Pads. Listen, Barts. I'm aware, we're aware, that your family have suffered greatly. If the situation we find ourselves in wasn't so dire, we would have just brushed this off as coincidence.
12: Spare me of your pleasantries. What are you babbling about?
0: You know darn well why we dragged you down here. Bodwig aggressively rises to his feet, Padwin doing the same. You watch your tone, Pads.
12: You wouldn't want me to make a mess of you. Wouldn't be the first time.
8: Who did you sell us out to? Goron? Enchanters? The wet fish of
5: the sea? Who paid the highest price? Sit down, both of you. Fisticos won't get you home to your boy any sooner. Or bring you back the reserve sacks. We're pridesmen.
0: Act like it. All the men slowly return to their seats.
5: Reserves?
8: What happened? All of our sacks have been stolen within the last day or so. All of them. Would take a small army of men to pull off such a feat, and you happen to be the last one on watch. Care to explain? That's not possible. Wait, are you accusing me of this? Ah, it makes
12: sense. Since I'm just a bitter old man who lost half of his family, you suspect
5: me of being compromised. Right? No one is directly accusing you, Bards. We just had to ask.
12: What about you, Pads? You long had your
0: obsessions to start a war with the intellects. Perhaps you set this up. Padward lunges across the table at Bardwick. The two men wrestle around on the ground. Man, get in here! The two pridesmen escorts rush in from outside the door and help Fathorn break up the scuffle.
12: Accuse me all you want. I don't know what happened to the reserves. All I know is if I see you again, I'll rip you apart.
0: The scuffle has been broken up. All the men are now tense, standing around each other. Am I being detained? Do you have an official charge approved by
12: the elders? Fats?
0: No, you aren't. And no, we don't. Bodwick doesn't speak and exits the room with haste. Fathorn and Padwin stand in silence until Fathorn speaks. What did that solve, Pads? For
5: Lord's sake, why did you go at him so hard? He's hiding something. I know it. He knows. Go somewhere to calm down. Then meet me back here after supper. We have more people to question. Perhaps we let them answer without any physical altercations this time.
0: Sure. See you back in a bit. Fathorn exits. Padwin signals to one of the Pridesmen who remained. Here,
8: ten silvers. Follow Bardwig and let me know of his movements.
0: As the pridesman turns to leave the room, Padwin calls out again. Wait. Padwin flicks him another ten silvers.
8: Keep an eye on Fats, too. Our little
0: secret. The pridesman nods, then makes his way down the long hallway. As tensions rise within the other kingdoms, Bay has organized a massive fishing expedition. The Nautics have lost almost their entire fleet to rusting metal and rotting woods. Bay's boat is one of only a handful that can still navigate these rough seas safely. With the other kingdoms struggling, the Nautics have been essentially left on their own. Yet, you can't grow lumber or cast metals out on the open seas.
10: Bay, listen. I heard what you're planning to do. I believe one day is more than enough. We will continue to ration wisely. We have plenty of salted sardines. The elders haven't been able to predict the tides over recent weeks. As if the gods are toying with us. I can handle it. Those sardines won't last forever, and we've overfished these waters. You are a brave young man. Everyone respects you. Your family needs you. What good are you to anyone dead? It's not worth the risk. I just
11: can't sit around here and do nothing and drink until the lights go out. Like some.
10: Hey, I wouldn't judge so quickly. There's much you're unaware of. Coral can handle herself. Do not bear any guilt over her departure, nor assume we're taking the situation lightly.
11: Fine. If I can't help her, please allow me to do what I can for us. Four days. We'll return with the biggest catch this island's seen in
10: years. Four days. But at the first sign of fog or high swells, you turn around. Done.
11: Also, please keep him away from my mom. Can you do that for me? I can't tell a free man he's unwelcome at his own home. It's not his anymore and you know it. She's had enough to deal with. I understand. I will do what I must.
0: The two men part. Bay heads down towards his boat and is greeted by five other nautics. They're all stocking their vessels with supplies, hooks, spears and ale.
1: Bay, I bet I reel in the first mongrel.
10: Keep dreaming, Simon.
6: Not with those twigs of poles. Ha!
11: All right, everyone. The elders told me they sent schools of mongrel, grey groupers, and more due east. Untie, hoist your sails, and let's go.
0: The six boats all depart the docks and are sailing in unison. The seas are relatively calm at the moment, but who knows how long that will last. Bay's father watches them disappear into the horizon, drink in hand. Bello and Durand, now banded together, have stumbled upon a small cabin at the base of Enchanter. Hold steady. Let's think about this for a second. Think? It's probably just a bunch of drunk drifters.
7: Who can be
2: extremely dangerous.
0: Or just drunk. Duran signals to Bello, and they tiptoe their way towards the cabin. Duran peeks inside. Drunks, right?
2: And more. Definitely users in there. We need to be careful. Keep your eyes open. They're usually harmless, but you occasionally get a tweaker. So what do we do?
0: Well, go grab a drink. The two enter the cabin, surprisingly unnoticed.
11: (laughs) Hey cuties, can I fix you something?
2: (laughs) Why is she talking like dust? Enchanters dust. Why yes, we'll take two house specials, of course. You got it! Dust. It's a popular tobacco made from rare plants found in the forest. Makes you laugh uncontrollably amongst other things. We have dust dens in the city also. Places you want to stay away from.
7: Doesn't sound so bad.
2: It's not, unless you get a case of the giggles at the wrong time. Then, last laugh will be on you.
9: Here you go.
0: (laughs) Thanks, dear. They make their way to an empty booth made of rotting tree trunks. Who are these people?
2: Like you said, drifters, former pride, intellects, you name it. Everyone's here just trying to escape. Escape what? Ah, forget it. Let's finish this and be on our way.
0: Uh, excuse me, good sirs. A large man, drunk and unstable, forces his way into their booth. Pardon you. <laughs>
2: okay, it's okay. Hello, good sir.
0: What did you call me? The man stares down Durand and Bellow, tension in the air. Bellow slowly reaches for his blade. Ah!
9: You should have seen your faces! Ah! <laughs>
0: A sigh of relief from both Bello and Durand.
9: (laughs) I don't know you two. I may not like you. I'm undecided.
0: Undecided? On if you like us. If you should live. After what seemed like a break in the tension, both Durand and Bello's guards are raised once again. Look, we don't
2: want any trouble. We're just passing through. Up. Huh?
0: Get up. Durand, let me. It's fine. Durand and the man rise to their feet. The bar patrons stop what they're doing.
9: Pick anything. For what? A duel. Anything. Pick.
2: Well, I'd rather
0: not duel.
9: Write a passage in these parts, good sir. Send her back to the city, Falco.
0: Falco picks up a large bottle from a table. If we must. Much to everyone's surprise, Durand picks up a dirty rag from another table.
7: Durand, what are you doing? (laughs) Ha
0: ha ha ha! Cool. Falco lunges towards Durand. Duran sidesteps his attack with finesse.
12: Get him, Falco!
2: Get me, Falco.
0: Falco swings the bottle with all of his might, missing with every attempt. Frustrated, Falco takes a step back and launches the bottle at Duran's head, which Duran deflects with his hand wrapped in the rag. The bottle smashes over a random bar patron. Ow. Falco sprints at Durand and is taken down with ease. Falco's head slams to the ground. Blood rushes down over one eye. Here. Durand begins to dab the open wound with his rag. All better. Falco squirms away and rises to his feet. They now stand face to face.
9: (laughs) You're not so bad, city boy. (laughs) You got me. (laughs) He got you, all right.
2: This city boy is named
0: Durand.
9: Durand? I'm Falco. Next one is on me.
0: Falco heads to the bar to grab more ale. Durand sits back down. Impressive. Didn't know you had that in you.
2: Bello, you'll come to learn. Never show all your cards.
7: What do we do about this oaf?
2: Mm, I don't know. I'm thinking we entertain this second drink and see what intel we can get. Intel? From Dat Drunk? <sighs> I sense that drunk's seen a thing or two.
0: Falco makes his way back to the table.
9: True mail. Best they've got!
2: Thanks, Falco. This one's to you. Listen, are you familiar with the forest?
9: Of course. Why do you think everyone is so happy here? I am a dust gatherer.
7: That jewel didn't seem so happy.
2: My young, strong companion and I need to make our way through the forest, yet we are unaware of the way or the dangers. Anything you can tell us would be greatly appreciated.
9: Okay, let's go.
0: Go? Falco rises to his feet, chugs his ale, and makes his way to the door. What the?
9: Let's go, let's go.
0: Bella, come on.
9: Come, come. Pretty
6: lady, a few for (laughs) the road with haste. Okay, Falco, try not to fall through a mustard this time.
0: (laughs) I have a bad feeling about this. The three men exit the bar and head into the forest. Bay and company have been sailing for most of the day.
11: Bay, when should we drop our nets? Not much further. Oh, we've been out here for hours. If not now, when? Bay drops
0: his sail and coasts to a stop. The others follow suit.
11: My brave nautics, I have an admission. I did not set out to fish. Lord Fish, what in the salty pearl are you saying? I use this as a diversion. I'm going to search for my sister.
6: Bear, you're our best fisherman. You can't
5: leave us out here.
11: I'm not the best. Hey, Simon, how many mongol did you catch last week? Huh? Twelve. Twelve, which fed hundreds. And Reef... Who else can reel in a hundred-pound tuna? <laughs> I have faith that you will bring back more than enough to keep your families full. I, however, only have my sister. I can't sleep until I know she's okay. What should we tell your father, Jacques? The truth.
0: Bay raises his sails and begins to head away from the pack. Coral and the enchanter arrive in the forest. She has never seen such bright and vibrant colors. The trees are endless. Plants and wildlife is abundant.
6: This is beautiful. Everything seems so… Alive, alive! Yes, alive.
0: The enchanter grabs Coral's hand as they navigate the forest.
13: Almost home, almost home, a place where I have grown, grown.
0: Bushes and branches scrape against Coral's face. The humidity has risen and her legs are exhausted.
6: I'm sorry, I need to rest, please. Almost there, stay on your feet,
4: if you dare. Almost
0: there. Coral rolls her eyes and continues to jog alongside the Enchanter. Her chest is heavy and is moments away from collapsing, but a series of lights catches her attention. Her and the Enchanter reach an opening where they are greeted by massive trees.
6: Look up, look up.
0: Coral is mesmerized. She has never seen such beauty.
6: Wow. They must be a hundred feet high. They are. Not far now. Where are you taking me? You'll see. Stay with me.
0: They reach a massive spiral staircase that wraps around a tree as high as the eyes can see. Someone you
6: should meet! Stay on your feet!
0: They make their way upstairs and enter a large room within the tree.
6: There must be hundreds of rooms in every tree. How many of you are there?
0: The enchanter holds up one finger.
6: One? I've seen at least a thousand of you already. One. Okay then.
0: A group of enchanters are rhythmically dancing in unison. The room is filled with smoke. Yet Coral doesn't cough.
6: Who are they? (laughs) Give them a chance. Watch them dance.
0: The enchanters move with grace. But once Coral's presence is noticed, they all stop and immediately turn to face her.
6: Um, sorry to interrupt. Hi. I, uh, well, say something. I have returned with one. My search is done.
13: Is she pure? How can we be sure? Pure, do you always speak in rhymes?
0: The enchanter smiles at her.
13: Come forward, young dear. Something you must hear.
0: Coral steps closer to this enchanter. They are now within inches of each other. The enchanter takes a long, deep look at Coral.
13: She is pure, yet she carries a burden.
0: A murmur amongst the enchanters.
6: Don't they all? I I recall... My name is Coral. I live out on the Sea of Secrets. I am a proud Nautic who is set up to discover why our lands are dying. I am confused, though, if I am to be honest.
13: Why is that, my dear?
6: Your forest, it's so rich with life. Why haven't you been affected?
13: What makes you think we haven't? Sorry? Some things you cannot understand, based purely on what you see. She is the one. With me she will come. Come where?
0: A loud horn blows and the enchanters scurry out of the room.
6: What is happening? With me!
0: Coral and the enchanters race down the spiral stairs and into the forest opening. We found these
3: three, my partner and me. They tried to fight, but we won all right.
13: I would advise you state your name. A spear to the head would be a shame.
2: I am Durand Wellington, and I am from the city. These are my traveling companions. This is Bello. He is from the Pride. And this is Falco.
0: He is from the bar at the edge of the forest. The elder enchanter whispers something into a colleague's ear and cracks a smile.
13: I will ask you one thing. Careful, as who knows what your answer will bring. What
2: is your purpose?
9: Well, I've never had much of a purpose. Bello elbows
2: Falco in the ribs. Our purpose is to seek out why our lands are dying. As we can see, you find people seem to be doing okay. We, however, are not. If you grant us passage, I swear, we will be out of the forest as soon as possible and on our way.
0: The elder enchanters gather around and whisper, We must fight. I don't like this. Patience.
6: I am also looking for these answers.
0: Everyone turns and stares at Coral.
6: I do not know these men, but I can vouch for their intentions. We need answers, and fast. Our people are dying. She's pure, pure.
0: Duran gives a subtle nod of appreciation to Coral.
13: A moment you will wait. Stories, we need to be straight.
0: The elders are in deep discussion. Our heroes are anxiously awaiting their response.
13: Always more there is beyond the surface.
0: The elder snaps a finger. A strong gust of wind bursts through the trees. All of the vibrant colors dissipate. The sounds of wildlife vanish. The trees, which were lush and beautiful just seconds ago, are now grey and void of life. What is going on?
13: Suffered like you. It is true.
0: How
7: did she do that? What happened to everything? Magic.
2: She showed us what she wanted to.
13: You will take your chosen one with you on your venture, and depart as the sun rises. I've seen a garden in my dreams, unsure of what it means. (laughs) of course you as well my dear there is only one path you will see into the unknown it will be a region yet discovered good thing you have one another
0: coral and the enchanter race down towards Durand and company
9: come everyone, at my keep we will sleep
0: the unknown
7: that doesn't sound very safe
9: Ah, I once ate five whiskey hornets and live to tell the tale This unknown doesn't scare me.
7: How does this not concern you in the least?
9: I don't know.
0: It is unknown. As the five head towards the Enchanters' home, Coral and Duran give each other a concerned look. The crowd of Enchanters has dispersed. They are now alone. Thanks for speaking
2: up back there. I think you saved us.
6: Sure. I didn't have a choice. Our people are suffering.
2: Aren't we all? Master Enchanter, will you guide us towards this unknown? I will.
0: A loud squawk is heard from above. Branches begin to fall from the sky on top of them. A massive bird is hovering over them. Kill it! Shoot it, brave person! Get out of the way! Bello whips out his bow and loads an arrow. Bello, stop! Bello's bow is still pointing towards the bird. It's a rumor, bird. It means us no harm. Please, Bello, lower your bow. Bello obeys Duran's command. The bird lands on a tree just a few feet from them. Glistening with gold feathers, this bird is unlike any they have ever seen.
6: It is beautiful.
0: Seconds pass. The bird is just sitting in silence. Bird, do thee carry a message. The End of Part 1, The Divided To be continued in Part 2, The Unknown Written and narrated by Daniel Myers